The lesson is taken from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 to 11, which can be found on page 738 of the Church Bibles. The Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The Sovereign Lord has opened my ears. I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know I will not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on their God. But now, all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go, Walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. This is the word of the Lord. Well, thanks very much, Jock. And hello, good morning. Lovely to be with you here today. Let me start with a question for us, a question How do you feel when you're running? And if you have that first uh, slide on the screen, how do you feel when you're running? If you're you're a keen runner, maybe you feel something like this. I wonder if this captures how you feel when you're you're off on a run. You're you're feeling decisive, energized. You're, You're fully into it and you're going for it. Or are you more like this chap here? You're struggling. You're finding it hard. It's a real battle. Or perhaps more like this one. Okay. You're disheartened. You're dehydrated. You're downright tired. You're done. You're done. Well, how about when it comes to running the race as a Christian? When it comes to being a Christian believer, how would you describe yourself? Are you like that, uh, that first athlete there, really going for it, feeling spiritually fit, ready to keep going and going no matter what. Or maybe you're more like the second athlete, 
where our Christian walk feels more like it's going uphill, where we're perhaps feeling spiritually unfit. Maybe, maybe we have doubts about our faith that are like a niggling stitch in our sides. Or maybe, perhaps, you're like this one here, where you're struggling to keep going. Perhaps the last two years have taken their toll and all that's going on around us at the moment, the uncertainties, the stress, the anxieties. And as Christians, we just feel weary, worn out and weary. Well, if that's you here this morning, then I've got some good news for you. Rather, I don't have good news. God's Word has some good news for you. Because the part of the Bible that we're looking at today, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 50, well, it's literally addressed to the weary. These past few weeks, we've been spending our Sunday mornings in Isaiah, and we're looking at passages that are known as servant songs. Now, these songs or, or poems, well, they are where the prophet Isaiah has been introducing us to this slightly mysterious figure, God's servant. But now the camera angle, well, it changes slightly because where before Isaiah was telling us about the servant, describing him to us, here in chapter 50, our reading for today, will we hear the servant himself speaking directly to us. The song is sung by the servant himself. And it's as he speaks to us that he provides us with words that are for the weary. The servant says, well, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. And that's what this chapter is all about, words that sustain the weary. And that's, that's us, isn't it? So often we are, we are tired in our Christian walks. And so this is what we need, words that will sustain us, keep us going, even in the midst of that weariness. The servant says that he has words that will sustain. So let's unpack those words together now together. In the following verses, the, the servant tells us about himself. If you like, he's giving a, a self-portrait, uh, an autobiography. But unlike the, the latest celebrity paperback, this autobiography, well, it gives us hope, real hope. The self-portrait he paints, well, it shows us, if you like, the anatomy of the servant of God. In a nutshell, what it is to be the perfect follower of God. So what do we learn about this servant from his song? What's the anatomy of this spiritually fit, perfect follower of God? Well, firstly, the servant is someone who listens to the Lord. He listens to to the Lord. We hear the servant say in verse 4, if you've still got your Bibles in front of you, that's great, it's Isaiah 50. Well, we hear the servant say in verse 4 that the Lord wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. The sovereign Lord has opened my ears. Did you hear the, the repeated theme there? Wakens me, wakens my ear to listen, to open my ears. This repeated theme is, is clear, isn't it? The servant listens to God. And did you see how he listens there? Like one being instructed. It makes me think of exams. I'm sure some of us are perhaps in the midst of tests and exams at the moment. What do you do when you've got an exam on the horizon? 
You tune in, you listen, you cram, you take it all in desperately because you want to be ready for that exam. That's how the servant has been listening. And when is he listening? All the time. The phrase morning by morning, I think, is really helpful. The servant is one who starts his day always tuning in to God. But as we begin to see this anatomy of the servant fleshed out, we see just how sharply it is contrasted to the people of Israel at that time. Go back two chapters, to chapter 48, and we're told that God's people, well, we see what they're like. We see in verse 4 that God says, For I know how stubborn you were. Your neck muscles were iron. Your forehead was bronze. Stubborn, stiff-necked, thick-headed. But he goes on in verse 8, You have neither heard nor understood. From of old your ears have not been open. Can you see the contrast between that and the servant? Morning by morning, he listens to God. The Lord has opened his ears. Here, we see that Israel's ears are anything but open to the word of the Lord. And as we think about the Old Testament people of God who struggled to really listen to him, we can recognize, can't we, that when it comes to us, we don't match up to the servant's listening skills either. How often do we struggle to really listen to God's word, to read the Bible, to pray, to prioritize those things morning by morning? It's a real struggle. It's definitely something that I struggle with, and I'm sure many of us here today will struggle with as well. It's a struggle to really listen to God. But the servant, or the servant, his ears are open. He alone is the one who truly, perfectly listens to God. But what does all that careful listening actually accomplish? Well, listening equals obedience. Listening equals obedience. As uh, some of us today will be marking celebrating uh, Mother's Sunday, uh, Mothering uh, Sunday or Mother's Day, as we've already established, it seems appropriate that we're led here to think about listening and obeying. My mum is a wonderfully patient woman, but I can definitely remember those times whilst growing up where she would uh, ask me or one of my uh, two older brothers to do something, and we would, we would look up from the game that we were playing or the match that we were watching just for a split second, yeah, will do, and then back down again. But, because, but of course, we never did. It was just empty words. And I think most mums will know the difference between hearing and really listening. Because active, attentive listening will always equals a response, always equals obedience. Here, Isaiah is saying, well, we see the servant, and he shows us that he is listening to God perfectly. And so it should be no surprise that the second thing that we learn about this servant is that he perfectly obeys. He is obedient to God. In verse 5, the servant says, I have not been rebellious. I have not turned away. And of course, again, this is a, a not so subtle pointer to the people of Israel, who at that time had done pretty much nothing but rebel and turn away. God's people had time and time again followed the same formula. And, and if you know your Old Testament, you'll be familiar with this formula. God miraculously saves his people. He rescues them. 
but then before long they grumble and they doubt God's goodness and then they forget about what God had done and then they forget about God altogether and then they're back into the same mess that they began in, dependent on God, miraculously saving them yet again. In some ways, that formula captures pretty much the whole of the Old Testament. And as, as the people of Isaiah's time would have heard these words from the servant's mouth, I have not been rebellious, I have not turned away, it would have been wonderfully refreshing. Amazingly different. That formula of doubt and destruction finally broken. And for us here today, I think, I think well, we can often feel like we are caught in a similar formula to that of Israel. A pattern of sin and despair and doubt. Maybe, maybe sometimes in that, in that pattern there's a period where things are better, where we feel stronger in our Christian walks. But all too soon, we, we slip up again, don't we? And it's that same pattern all over again of sin, of despair, of doubt. And so for us, often caught in that horrible cycle, hearing these words should be awe-inspiring and comforting in equal measure. The servant, God's servant, has not been rebellious or sinful or done anything wrong. He has not turned from God. Instead, he has been obedient. But just how obedient has he really been? How far will this obedience to God really go? The answer, all the way. All the way, even as far as great suffering. Have another look, have another look at verse 6. The servant is obedient to the point of offering his back to be beaten, whipped. The servant is obedient to the point of having his beard pulled out, is obedient to the point of having his face punched and spat at. That's how far this servant is willing to go. That's how far he is willing to go in being obedient to God, staggering lengths. And the powerful imagery here in Isaiah, well, it's not just poetic imagery, it's a painful reality. As we go forward some 700 years, and to Matthew's account in his gospel, we hear these words. The high priest asked, What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spat in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Messiah. Who hit you? Isaiah 50. God's servant says, I did not hide my face from mocking and spitting. Jesus is God's servant. Jesus is the suffering servant who has completely been obedient to God the Father. Obedient to go so far as this sham trial here in Matthew's gospel, as far as the beating, as far as the mocking, the spitting, the whipping. Obedient even as far as the cross. Even obedient to the cross. But why? Why? Jesus, God's perfect servant, literally the only one, the only one who ever perfectly followed God, perfectly listened, perfectly obeyed, why did he suffer like this? Well, it was for us. It was for me. It was for you. So that we, those who fail to listen, those who time and time again mess up and turn away from God, so that we could be rescued, saved, and made right 
with God. God's servant who perfectly listens and obeys suffers and dies for the spiritually deaf and disobedient. These verses in Isaiah 50, well, we started with the servant saying that his words were for the weary. And what a comfort that is here for us this morning. An encouragement like no other, hope for us in our darkest days. For those of us here feeling like a a bad Christian, those of us whom uh, the Christian race feels hard at the moment, maybe we even feel like failures. For those of us who are weary in our walk with God, see again that Jesus has rescued you, has restored you. It's good news. This is good news. But how about tomorrow? Tomorrow, when our time together here at St. Luke's feels like a long time ago. How about in the the, the week ahead when we're feeling stretched and busy and worried? How about in the months ahead when we mess up and when we get it wrong and when we doubt God and push God away by our actions, our thoughts, our words? What then? Well, thankfully, the servant's song continues. Let's have another look at verse 8 and 9. Verse 8, he who vindicates me is near. Who then will bring charges against me? Let us face each other. Who is my accuser? Let him confront me. It is the sovereign Lord who helps me. Who will condemn me? They will all wear out like a garment. The moths will eat them up. The servant knows that he is completely vindicated. God is on his side. God is with him, for him, and so he can challenge any would-be accuser. Come at me. Come at me because he knows that no challenge, no threat, no lie against him can stand because it is the sovereign Lord who helps him. It is the mighty, universe-creating, life-sustaining, all-powerful Lord God who is helping him. And if we're trusting in God's servant, if we're trusting in Jesus, then wonderfully, the same is true for us. To see this, I think it's helpful to turn to another part of the Bible. So um, do grab your pew Bibles and turn to uh, Romans in the New Testament, Romans chapter 8. You want page uh, 1134, if you're happy to turn that up with me. Page 1134 and Romans chapter 8. I think these verses really help us to capture what Isaiah is talking about here. Romans 8 and verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If we are in Jesus, trusting in him, having gone to the cross for forgiveness, then what is his is ours. And we've seen that in this chapter in Isaiah, that for God's servant, there is no one who could challenge, nothing that could separate him from God. And so that is true for us too. Have a look down at Romans 8 again, because he goes on to say this in verse 31. Just scan to the other side of the page. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? He will bring any charge against those 
whom God has chosen. It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. No one. There is no condemnation. In Jesus, there is nothing that can separate us from God. The lies of Satan, the discouragements we face, the slog of life, the times that we mess up, and the sins that hang heavy upon our shoulders. To each and every one of those, we can declare there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Weary Christian here this morning, there is nothing and no one between you and God, not even yourself. There are, those are the words that we need to hear. This is what we need to know, that Jesus, God's perfect servant, has listened, has obeyed, and has suffered and died. And now there is nothing that can separate us from God's love. Praise God. And so as we look beyond this service, as we look to next week and the week ahead, what are we going to take from Isaiah 50? Well, the final two verses of our passage, well, they give us a really helpful pointer. Here we see Isaiah the prophet now speaking again, having heard directly the, the song of the servant from his own mouth, while Isaiah now chimes in and he gives us a reflection on that song. He says in verse 10, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Isaiah is calling on God's people to respond to what they've heard by fearing the Lord. Now, what do you, what do you think of when you hear the word fear? Being afraid, isn't it? Wanting to be far away from that person or that thing that is scaring us. Well, the fear of the Lord isn't that at all. No, it's a, it's a right reverence. It's an open-mouthed awe of amazement of who God is and of what he has done for us. And it leaves us wanting to listen to God before anything and anyone else. Rather than respecting, adoring, following our peers, what we see on Facebook or Instagram, the social trends of our time, instead, Isaiah calls us to put God at number one, to listen to him before any other voice in our life, to seek to live the life that he wants us to live. That's what it means to fear the Lord. And Isaiah, well, he paints us a picture for us uh, to help us understand all this. And he says that without fearing and trusting God, it's like we're walking in the dark. Think back to a time when you've been in that pitch black situation. I can think back to holidays when I've uh, been going through caves and things like that, that kind of inky blackness, complete darkness. That's the picture that we're given here of people walking in the dark without a light. What do they do? they stumble and they fumble because they're lost, they're hopeless. And so they try to see by using their own light. Trying to, like, like trying to use a lighter, they try, and, well, they try and see by using their own light. And even if you can get it to light, well, it's not going to be bright enough to see where you're going. In fact, in the darkness, you're more likely to, to, to burn yourself and actually see where you're going. Now, what these people need is one of these. Does anybody know what this is? This is a 1200 lumen bright white incandescent light bulb. I got this for my, uh, my slightly dark and dingy study. But now, if you come into that study where it's like you landed 
on the surface of the sun. It is so bright, brilliantly bright. And that's the picture that Isaiah is painting for us. That without God, we're all just fumbling in the dark, trying to go our own way with that lighter. And if we try and go our own way, we're just going to end up burnt, hurting ourselves. But instead, Isaiah says, trust in the name of the Lord, rely on God, fear in the Lord, because he is the source of light and life. So, we've seen that we are rescued by God's perfect servant, and knowing that we are saved in Jesus, we are enabled by the Spirit to begin to live lives that look more and more like the servants. We don't follow the example set here because that's how we're saved. That's how we're right with God. No, that work is done by the servant, full stop. But having been saved, we are now enabled to look more and more like Jesus. Having received new ears to listen, having received new hearts to obey, we can live for him. And having been rescued from that darkness, we can now begin to walk in the light. So if you're here this morning feeling weary, see again that Jesus is the obedient, suffering servant who has died for you. He has rescued you, restored you, and nothing, nothing can separate you from God's love. And so he calls us now to follow in the servant's footsteps, to listen and to obey, to fear the Lord, and to experience life in the light. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for all that you have uh, shown us from this chapter in Isaiah. We thank you for the servant. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he and he alone has perfectly listened and obeyed and has obeyed even to the point of dying on a cross for us. We thank you that in him we can have light and life and hope. We thank you for these words of comfort that comfort us and give us hope in our weariness. Lord, encourage us as we go from this place to keep going as Christians, knowing that nothing and no one can separate us from your love. And Lord, help us to be walking in that light, not going our own way, but going your way that is best for us. Help us to do all these things by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.